This episode contains descriptions of harm against minors and child death. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. The following is from The Stolen Farthings, collected by the Brothers Grimm. While they sat eating, it struck twelve, and then the friend saw the door open, and a child, pale as death, dressed in snow-white garments, come in. It did not look round or speak, but went straight into the next room. Soon it returned and went as silently out at the door again. The second and the third day, it happened the same. The friend pointed it out to the father, but he could not see it, nor the mother either, nor her children. Then the friend got up and, going to the chamber door, opened it a little and peeped in. The child was sitting on the ground, digging and picking industriously between the crevices of the boards. But as soon as it perceived the stranger, it disappeared. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's story comes from the most high-profile folklorists of the Western world, Jakob and Wilhelm Grimm. Their collections of fairy tales included iconic stories like Snow White, Cinderella and Rumpelstiltskin. The magic and mayhem of these tales didn't always involve princes and princesses. Sometimes, they're simple stories of family tragedy and an attempt at writing injustice that goes horribly wrong. Coming up, we'll travel into the city and meet a very strange child. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. 
That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. For a long time, whenever Tia thought of Lottie, it was as if they were still 13. The sun had just set, twilight had given way to night, and they were laying on a blanket in the grass, discovering new constellations. Lottie's shoulder was close to hers, her soft curls intermixed with Tia's wavy ones. They were home, and they would always be together. But when Tia opened her eyes, time slipped through her fingers. She remembered that they were no longer as close as they once were. Lottie was no longer her home. At 17, she had married, and her husband Otto wasted no time. He moved her away from their small village to the much bigger town of Castle. Tia and Lottie wrote to each other, of course. For years, they corresponded, piles upon piles of letters about their lives, their families, their dreams. But soon Lottie had a whole gaggle of children, five to be exact, and she became too busy to see Tia. She apologized in every letter, even though eventually Tia stopped asking. But finally, finally, Lottie asked to see her again. What troubled Tia was that Lottie would not tell her the reason why. Why now? Tia never asked, but the fact that Lottie didn't explain troubled her. They'd always kept each other's secrets, but Tia worried that this was exactly the issue, that it had something to do with her work. Ever since she could remember, Tia had been able to see the dead. Tia had kept what she saw to herself, but not with Lottie. Lottie knew Tia's connection to the other side, and it made them closer. But now, Lottie had turned to religion after her marriage, and Tia worried it had deteriorated the trust between them. But as she walked up to Lottie's house and knocked on the door, she hoped she would find out what had truly happened. It was late morning, the sun soft and warm. A very pregnant Lottie rushed to embrace Tia the moment she opened the door. She moved the way Tia remembered, but there was a strange heaviness to her features now, a pain Tia didn't understand. She followed Lottie from the front door to a small sitting room where a table held plates of bread and cheese. Lottie encouraged her to eat, and Tia lowered herself into a wooden rocking chair. Around her, Lottie's children wiggled with excitement, ready to meet their mother's friend. Lottie introduced Tia to each of them, and Tia found herself in the embarrassing position of having miscounted how many children her friend had. It was four, not five, even with the baby on the way. A few minutes later, Lottie's husband Otto joined them for lunch. He sat down with hardly a word, as if Tia wasn't there. But she didn't mind. They never got along anyway. As they ate, Tia listened to the children's stories and laughed at their silly jokes. All the while, Lottie sat and said very little. Tia wished they could speak alone, but she knew there would be time for that later. 
Then, as the children were telling her of their adventures in the town market, a shiver ran up her spine. She didn't need to look far for the source of the breeze. There was a spirit in Lottie's house. She could feel it. When she heard the bells ring noon in the town square, she saw it too. The spirit was a small child, no older than five and no taller than the top of Lottie's apron. He was so pale he nearly shimmered, the specks of dust dancing through him like fireflies in a field. He floated ever so slightly above the floor, each step taking him a little higher than it should have. He was a child, but he did not act like one. He lingered near Lottie, his thin lips pulled into a frown, but he did not try to interact with the world. He only watched it with a pained expression. The sadness in him was so staggering that Tia felt her breath catch in her throat. It was too much hurt for his small shoulders to carry, but he was trying. Tia's eyes darted to Lottie. To her surprise, her friend seemed to notice the spirit. Tia watched Lottie's eyes follow the boy as he paced around the table, then floated into the next room. Lottie looked concerned as he disappeared, but didn't say a word. The family continued on as if nothing had happened. Lottie's lack of reaction concerned Tia, but the child's behavior did not. Ever since she was young, she'd observed that spirits were often distant, wrapped up in their own pain, their own stories. And it was this that kept them here. Soon, Tia realized that if she understood what trapped them, she could help lay them to rest. Whatever the unfinished deed or unresolved worry, she could carry it out for them, put them at ease, and they would be free. But if they would not offer her a hint, she could do nothing for them. She could only watch as they walked those same tragic steps over and over again. She felt an immense responsibility as a seer to do what she could, no matter the personal cost. She wondered if this was why Lottie had written to her to visit. After lunch, Tia helped Lottie clean up, her hands still shaking from unease. Lottie, do you recall the stories I told you when we were small? The ones about the nighttime? Lottie looked at Tia strangely, as if she told some horrible joke. About the ghosts? <laughs> oh, Tia, we do need to get you a husband. Tia swallowed the anger rising in her chest and spoke again. There was a spirit in your dining room. Lottie's smile started to crack, but she carried on as if nothing was wrong. There is no ghost in my home, Tia. We are God-fearing people here. Tia looked at her, confused. No spirit remained on Earth through any circumstance except tragedy. Lottie knew that. Tia pleaded with her, God has nothing to do with it. There is a pain here, unspoken pain. Please, tell me. 
but Lottie said nothing. Tia watched as she held the dishes too tightly in her hands, her knuckles whitening. Then she began to tremble. Tia stepped forward, gently removed the plates from Lottie's grip and held Lottie's hands in hers. I love you. You know that. Now tell me how the child died. Let me undo whatever pain keeps him here. Lottie shook her head. Otto won't allow it. Tia squeezed her friend's hands. Otto doesn't have to know. We keep each other's secrets, do we not? Tears flooded Lottie's eyes. Sebastian. Basti. My youngest. He died last year. The sound of the child's name caused Tia to lose her breath. She felt that same pain from the spirit's noonday visit creeping over her. Lottie continued, her voice raw. Otto says God is punishing us. Tia swept Lottie into her arms, shushing her as she held her close. God does not punish by taking little children, she assured her. No, this wasn't punishment. The little boy just needed to be laid to rest. Lottie sniffled. Otto won't hear of it. He doesn't believe in ghosts, Tia. He can't bring himself to think about Sebastian as he was, let alone contemplate where he is now. He hasn't said Basti's name since he died. Tia smiled at her gently. Then we will not tell him. We will lay Sebastian's spirit to rest together. Otto will never even know it happened. Lottie melted into her embrace. For a moment, they were 13 again. Tia helped Lottie make lunch the next day and quietly explained her plan. It would be simple. When Sebastian arrived, they would follow him wherever he might go. She explained to Lottie that ghosts frequently revisit the place of their greatest pain. From there, they would find a way to give his little soul peace. Not long after the family sat down for lunch, the bells in the town square struck noon. Tia waited at the table, sitting very still as the chaos of Lottie's family swirled around her. Each child vied for her attention, but she was only looking for one. Suddenly, the room held a chill, and the sunlight streaming through the windows dimmed as if falling into dusk. Tia tried to steady her breathing as she felt that familiar, heavy feeling envelop her. Then, Sebastian entered. Tia slowly rose from the table and quietly followed the spirit into the bedroom. Otto was confused and asked where she was going, but Tia didn't say a word. She shivered as she followed the little boy further into the bedroom. The cold was growing, and the light in the room had dimmed almost to nothing. As she stepped, a floorboard creaked beneath her feet. The little boy spun around, terrified, and Tia pinned herself against the wall. Usually, spirits have no interest in the living, 
but it seemed there was something about this room the boy did not want Tia to see. She watched him closely, holding her breath as he dropped to his knees and began to crawl, stopping at a place next to the bed. He began pawing futilely at the floorboards. He was searching for something she could not see. He grew more and more upset, whimpering softly to himself. It was the first sound he'd made. His pain closed in on her, so strong Tia could barely breathe. She needed to know what caused it. She needed to know what he was looking for. She snuck closer, each step an ordeal as she struggled for air. He was muttering to himself in a near growl now, but still, she couldn't see properly. Desperate, she dropped to the floor next to him, and her blood ran cold. This was not the same face she had seen before. The boy's small head was now caved in. His nose was broken, and his jaw hung on by a thread of flesh. Something terrible had happened to Sebastian. Something Tia could hardly comprehend. Coming up, Tia discovers the reason for Sebastian's unrest. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. When Tia had first seen Sebastian's spirit, his face was unblemished. But now she had followed him into the bedroom, trying to discover what he was so desperately looking for, she saw his true form. The boy's skull was caved in and his face was mutilated and broken but his skin was wet and silvery, almost glittering. When he cried to himself, desperately scratched at the floorboards, the sounds that came from his throat was raw and ragged. Tia reached out instinctively, wanting to comfort him, but he only screamed in response, then disappeared. When he left, Tia's breath returned in heaves, she braced herself against the wall as air flooded her lungs. Her thoughts raced. Sebastian's spirit had not been so horrible before. It wasn't until he entered this room that he changed. There was some secret there that tortured him. 
Tia's breath slowed to a steady rhythm. In the other room, she could hear Lottie and Otto arguing. Otto blustered angrily, and Tia suddenly realized why he refused to hear the little boy's name, why he insisted on secrets. Tia marched back toward the dining room and stood in front of the table, shaking with horror and fury. What have you done to that child? Lottie sent the children out to play. Tia stood tall, facing down Lottie's monster of a husband. What did you do to your son? She growled. She was appalled that Lottie would stay with someone who had killed her child, let alone have another one with him. Lottie stepped between them, ever the peacemaker. I don't know what you've seen, she said to Tia, but it is not what you think. Tia grew angry at Lottie. She was not seeing things clearly. How could it be anything else? But Otto's eyes were wrathful. Seen? Lottie, what are you talking about? Have you brought a witch into our midst? Tia wished for a moment that she was a witch. She wished she had the power to punish him for the sins he'd so obviously committed. Lottie turned her head, feeling assaulted on both sides. No, dear, she is only a seer. She sees Basti. She doesn't know. She doesn't understand. Otto's fists clenched. I told you not to say his name. Tia became afraid for Lottie's safety. She held out a hand to her, but Lottie didn't take it. Instead, she ran to Otto. She pleaded with him, saying again that Tia didn't understand, that she should have explained. Tia was sure she understood better than Lottie, but her friend could not let her speak. Instead, Lottie pleaded with her. Basti loves the horses. He loved them, and he didn't listen. It was my fault. I wasn't paying attention. She swallowed, her voice shaking. He was crushed under the wheel. Otto came to the market, and he had to. Her voice trailed off, and Tia watched as Otto's features crumpled in devastation. She understood now where that feeling of choking grief had come from. It was Otto, unable to help his son. Then, Tia could see it all as if it was unfolding in front of her. Sebastian, so young and curious, sprints off to visit the horses. He sneaks closer to get a better look. Lottie screams after him, but he is convinced that he can get close enough to touch one. He runs too quickly, and the horses can't stop in time. Then, the weight of the wheel crushes his small bones. Tia saw it. More importantly, she felt it. She could feel Sebastian's sadness, but she also felt guilt. She couldn't understand why. It was an accident, the very worst kind. There would be no recovering from that, but they could still get Sebastian's soul to where it needed to go. I'm sorry. Tia said, her voice small. I did not realize. Otto then spoke, his hard expression pleading now. If you say you can see him, then help him. What keeps my son from entering the Lord's kingdom? I, 
I, I don't know, Tia stuttered. He was digging in the corner for something, but there was nothing there but the floor. For the first time since Tia had seen her, Lottie brightened. Where? Which corner? She ran into the bedroom and pulled a rug aside, revealing a small compartment. The children hide their treasures here, marbles, pressed flowers. She rummaged for a few moments before pausing, slowly drawing her hand away. Sparkling between her fingers were two single farthings. What is the meaning of this? Otto asked. What would he need money for? Lottie's lip quivered as she spoke. I gave them to him to give to the beggar, the one who sleeps in the apothecary doorway, but Basti must have kept them. I've lectured him about charity, but I suppose he thought if he kept the money, he could buy something for himself. Lottie paused, tears streaming down her cheeks. He doesn't, didn't understand that the beggar needed that money more than we did. Tia knelt beside Lottie and took her hands in hers. This is good. This is what he was looking for. Sebastian is trying to find the coins, but he just can't reach them. But I can. Tia smiled at Lottie reassuringly. I'll bring the farthings to the beggar, and Sebastian won't have to worry anymore. His pain will vanish, as will his spirit. It must be the guilt that's been weighing him down. A long silence passed between the couple. Then Lottie finally spoke. The beggar's a strange one, Tia. We give him coins because it is the Christian thing to do, but... She glanced around the room as if the man might be lurking in a corner. I wondered sometimes what would happen if we did not. She began to cry. Lottie had always been a sheltered girl, and she was grieving. Tia didn't know for certain that the beggar had anything to do with Sebastian's trapped soul. All she knew was that the boy was hurting and the coins were the cause. I'll take care of it, Tia said gently, holding out her hand. Lottie placed the coins in her friend's palms, and Tia told them that she would be back shortly. Then she headed out of the house and down the street. Tia had not seen many beggars in Castle. It was the sort of town that had underhanded means of driving them away. So when she asked the innkeeper about the beggar in front of the apothecary, she was not surprised to hear him say, as Lottie did, that strange things happened when the beggar was displeased. Thea suspected the stories surrounding him were simply a ploy to evade the town's policemen and their cruel methods for getting rid of people like him. She could have sworn she knew where the apothecary was, but she found herself lost in the labyrinthine streets. Castle was so much bigger than the village she was accustomed to. She wandered for hours. The sun was nearly setting when the golden letters of the druggist's window came into view. Tia heard a gravelly voice. <laughs> the seer sees me. She turned to find a man in pale rags, grey and thin. His hat was moth-eaten, 
but his light eyes glittered beneath the brim. What can you mean by that? she asked. He laughed at her, then it turned into a cough. <laughs> I, I think you know, dear girl. You know now, too, that I am not to be trifled with. At first, Tia had found it absurd that this beggar could have played some part in a horse cart accident. But she could see now that he'd not only cultivated his frightening reputation against the townspeople, he relished it. Perhaps there was some truth to Lottie's words. He traumatized that little boy, and now he continued to traumatize his family. Tia was resolved. It had to end. Take your coins, old man, and leave the child be. He looked at her directly for the first time, and Tia felt a chill run through her. Now, why would I want to do that? His image turned translucent for the briefest second. Tia rubbed at her eyes. She was sure it was just a trick of the light, but it looked almost as if he was disappearing. The thought bothered her. She knew how to take care of creatures who had come from this world. She did not know how to deal with ones from some other place. Suddenly, she smelled smoke all around her and a strange radiating heat as if she was standing in front of a fire, but there was none to be seen. It was frightening, but she could not let him see her fear. She took a deep breath. He made a mistake. He's a child and he wanted a treat. Surely there is no sin in that. The man sat up. Many are doomed for less. Turned into deer and swans and toads. Death is a gift in comparison. Those toads and swans are each saved in the end, sir, Tia said simply, showing she was familiar with the folk tales. Instead, you've drawn out his suffering. He is lost. He cannot find his way to God with you keeping the door closed shut. He can only scramble for coins he can't reach. The beggar chuckled again. <laughs> you fight for him so... I wonder why. Tia's voice caught. She would not be moved. There was no shame in her. Because he is the child of someone I love. I may not be in her home, but we are in each other's hearts. Eternally, unapologetically. If you wish to torment him, I will do everything I can to torment you in return. The beggar blinked in surprise. Then he sighed. And Tia felt the burning heat dissipate. He held out a skeletal hand, the skin so light and stretched it looked nearly translucent. She placed the farthings in his palm, resisting every urge to pull back immediately, worrying he would catch her in some kind of snare. Instead, he drew the coins close and studied them like a jeweler authenticating a precious gem. You will absolve him? she asked. The man, or whatever it was, nodded. He looked tired suddenly, as if he had seen every war imaginable. Children, he groaned. There's so much work, little balls of trouble and heartache. They never learn fast enough. <laughs> 
Better to not have any. That is my advice to you. The beggar, like the tortured child before him, then disappeared into thin air. Something lifted in Tia's chest. She wasn't sure what she'd seen. Perhaps it would be one more secret she protected from the world. One that she may not tell even to Lottie. Tia didn't know what her childhood love had been looking for when she had sought her help, but she knew what she needed to do now. The world was bigger than her and Lottie, and Tia was finally ready to leave the past behind and step into it. When one imagines the Brothers Grimm, it's easy to picture two bookish young men bent over a table in a small German village, transcribing the words of an elderly peasant. And indeed, many of the Grimm's collected tales came from their neighbors in the German market town of Kassel. One of their first sources was Gretchen Wield, a 19-year-old, and Gretchen's sisters. The stories the Veald sisters told offered a strange mix of piousness and lurid secrets, and they frequently dealt with the inescapability of hidden sin. One tale, Mary's Child, was a Bluebeard-esque story about a young girl who lies to the Virgin Mary, is cursed with silence, and that is nearly burned at the stake before she repents. The Stolen Farthings offers a similar tale of harsh punishment as a child is doomed to haunt his home forever because he keeps two coins his mother told him to give to charity. As we start each day and face once again the potential of death and judgment, we are left to wonder what tiny slight or bit of unfinished business we might leave behind. So we must ask ourselves, Am I entirely free of sin? Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Lil De Ritter and Jennifer Roche, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>